Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Sometimes, by the way, when you hear the word fitna, it has a different connotation than what Arabic says. In Arabic, it means a trial of tribulation. Fitna uh, in Urdu can only refer sometimes towards uh, illicit behavior or something. But that's not what it means. Of course, it means talking about any kind of a trial and tribulation. And this is the trial and tribulation coming from Allah Azza wa Jal. And uh, fitna is from the word fatana. And uh, the Mufassirin discuss the meaning of this word is uh, in the context of when you take the gold and put it into the oven and you heat it up so the, all the impurities separates away from the gold. This is what the, 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 the fatana means uh, and this is where the fitna is coming from. So in this context, when Allah Azza wa Jal placed us in uh, some sort of a trial or tribulation, so Allah is separating <coughs> the people from, if you want to call it from, uh, from the qabib, from the tayyib. So the, all the impurities will go away, and the one who are really with Allah Azza wa Jal, they will stick with the command of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and they fulfill what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants. And a fitna can bring a person closer to Allah Azza wa Jal when we pass that test from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Now, when we talk about the wealth and uh, the children, so today I'll more mostly talk about the children because this is something. We all feel it when we are raising the children. And uh, <clears throat> some of the things that uh, I'd like to bring up first in the society that we are living in, uh, the things that are happening around us. So some of the numbers I will mention, they are very staggering numbers. And then, inshallah, we'll move on and understand what we can do. Uh, and it is important to understand 
that when Allah Azzawajal is saying that the wealth and children are a, a, a test and trial of tribulation for us, it means we are accountable for these things. The children that we have, how we raise them, we are accountable for that. And the wealth we have, how we get, gain it and how we use it, we are accountable for that as well. Now, <clears throat> so the society that we are living in, it has to be understood, it's not that we can raise the children of our own, that's isolated from the rest of the society around us. So there are two-fold problems here. One is the individuals, that what we can do to make sure that we are raising our children in the proper manner. Second, where we are leaving them. So when we're putting them in a society, they are exposed to many things. So we have to think of both the things, actually, the individual life and also the societal life when we are raising the children. So <clears throat> some of the numbers which are, as I mentioned, are very uh, uh, staggering are, for example, in the United States, uh, the, the suicide rate or the number of suicides that happen in a year, one of the years which is mentioned in 2016 was close to 23,000, close to 23,000 suicides. When it comes to uh, alcohol and drugs, the, when the youth who have reached to 12th grade, 68% of the youth have tried alcohol. 68% means two-thirds of the youth have already tried alcohol before they even reach the so-called legal age. Of course, as a Muslim, there is no legal age to use the alcohol. Uh, and 37% uh, have drank alcohol in just last month who are in 12th graders. Up to 12 grade. 37%, which means one-third of them have drank at least uh, uh, alcohol in one last one month. And about 24, 23.5%, 10th grade, the graders drank in the last month. So they're younger, but they're still drinking. And among the high school, within the month they uh, were surveyed, it says the, one, the month they were surveying this, 35% drank some alcohol, 21% did binge drinking, binge drinking, and 22% rode in someone's car would be uh, who be uh, drinking also, and 10% drove after drinking. So these are the drinking uh, numbers that we have. And uh, uh, according to the, some of the experts, around 13% of people who start smoking pot as teenagers, they become dependent on it. 13% of them. And uh, say the regular marijuana use can cause a drop in their IQ level up to eight points. So uh, these are about the marijuana. And uh, now we know that because from January 1st, that the recreation, recreational marijuana has become legal. So that's going to have a different kind of an impact. These are the older numbers. And uh, when it comes to marijuana, the numbers which were from the 2016 already, was 35.1% of 12th graders have smoked pot in the past year, and 21.3% have smoked pot in the last 30 days. Okay? So there are more numbers about marijuana also, and I'm going to skip to uh, something which is very uh, hurtful for me to read those numbers, actually. That uh, nearly three-fourths of students, which is 72%, have consumed alcohol more than just a few sips. Okay? So this is 72%. And then until the end of the high school. So I think this is a, 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 a naiveness of us that we think of us that 
Nothing is going to come to our kids. This is why I want to make sure we understand that, that we are living in a society. Things impact us. So it's not just an individual issue, it's individual and societal issue. One third, which is, or 37% have done so by eighth grade. By eighth grade, eighth grade is normally a kid is about 13, 14 years old. He has already drank alcohol. And uh, according to the average age uh, for the teen boys, first by uh, try the alcohol is around 11 years old. When they were 11 years old, they have tried it. And for the girls, it's about 13 years old. Okay. Now, so these are some of the numbers, and there are, by the way, a huge list. I cannot even go through this kind of a list in a khutbah here. Maybe we need an hour, an hour and a half lecture just to talk about this kind of a, these kind of a stats, and then we can further talk about. It. But now, besides that. So there's a, <clears throat> there's a Department of Health and uh, Human Services uh, of the government, actually. They uh, gave the numbers about uh, how our kids in general spend their life. What is their schedule on a daily basis? Okay? And uh, according to that, they, uh, and this is talking about high school, high school kids only. Uh, about, they spend about 10 hours a day for sleeping. And when it comes to educational purposes, they spend about less than six hours a day. Okay? And leisure is about five hours. And they eat and drink, which is about, about an hour spending time. And the grooming is about a quarter of an hour. And other work they do about 43 minutes. Volunteer work 15 minutes. And religious activities, nine minutes a day. Okay? Now, you can imagine that thinking of our kids. Okay? And by the way, the, Somebody's interested later on, I can show you these numbers and graphs also. Uh, and those are educational uh, uh, time that I talked about, which is about the second to the sleeping, which is about six hours or seven hours or so. When you go into the detail of that and you start looking at the coursework normally high schoolers are doing, when they study history, in the history lessons, they learn Islam as a fascist religion or the one who are creating terrorism in the world. Okay, this is, uh, by the way, we should go and check our kids' history books. Okay, what they are teaching them. Uh, when it comes to health education, at the health education, actually, they are dropping the age from high school to even fifth grade now, that they will be exposed to sex education from the fifth grade. So when they're going to the health classes, they're going to that. When they go to PE classes, it becomes a norm for them to take off their clothes in front of each other. Unless we are vigilant parents and make sure that our kids, when they are taking these courses, they're not going to be changing in front of everybody, and the teacher is aware of them that they will go into uh, 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 some stall or something and they close the door and change inside. Otherwise, they are taught this way. So the hayat has been taken away while they were very, very young. So once the haya is gone, the modesty is gone, you can expect anything from, anything from, the, from them. So it is systematically, the kids are raised this way. The history is messed up. When it comes to physical health, when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to science, the, the, your ancestors are shown as apes and monkeys, when it comes, which is biology and eternity. So some of the things, the bases are like this. The bases are towards atheism to reject Allah Azza wa Jal. So this is the education, the six hours of education that we are talking about, the kids are exposed to. Not all every day, 
But the basis is there. And many of the things are built on top of it. Okay? And this is just education. Uh, then when it comes to leisure activity, the kind of uh, internet access nowadays that kids and youth have, whether it's from the phone, whether it's from the computer, whether it's from the direct nowadays smart TVs and stuff, all that stuff which you and I probably would never able to think about it, now they are at their fingertips. They can ex access information which, uh, which, is, uh, which is we are not supposed to even be looking at. Let's put it this way. Now, and this is what the leisure thing does. So now, when we are talking about a kid who is spending all this time for learning how to make money in this dunya, and spending nine months a week or day to worry about religion. Fine, you and I can say, no, 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 we are Muslims, we spend more than nine minutes a day. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But the po po point is this, and I, me, myself, as a teacher, in, uh, I've been teaching youth for, for, I don't know how many years, 20, 20 plus years. And when I go to Saturday school, to Sunday school, we can see the attitude of the youth towards Islamic school. They don't want to be there. That's the reality. Because of the five days they have already spent learning about things which actually have trained the mind to look at Islam as something it has been imposed on them or something. Unless we have done some homework. We are raising them in a way. We are giving them a basis of looking at the things. Otherwise, we are going to lose the kids very easily. It's very easy for them to come back home and say that they have become an atheist or they have become agnostic or they are going to just dump any kind of religion on the side or they are going to accept some other religion. So we have to be watchful of that. So there is society on a, on a societal level has been exposing things to the youth without having any kind of a base for them to, ex to reject the things which uh, takes a person away from Allah Azza wa Jal. So this is important to think from that angle that, okay, now when we are talking about our youth, what are we giving to them? Now, we understand that as a Muslim, that for us, that... Uh, the, for us, the, the, uh, our, our example to be followed is the example of Rasulullah And that example is the only example that can save us. Yes, on the individual level, but we cannot just think of it only on the individual level. Because the problem that we are facing is not just by individuals. It has to be cured on both the levels. We can teach them as much as we want. But it has to be done in a way that when they go out, they are also exposed to the things that bring that, that remind them of Allah Azza wa Jal. So for that, the only way for us, as a Muslim, we understand, solution comes from the life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهِ now here, uh, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that there is an example, a good example for you in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
He is not giving us an option to follow, by the way. It is just not a mere example. Because when the, an, any ayah that is completing with these kind of uh, the, the, uh, wordings, that لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَلِيَوْمِ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا That it is connected to the day of judgment. Whoever hoped to get something from Allah Azza wa Jal on the day of judgment, then he has to follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is an obligation for us to follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And following means that we have to go back and study the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi What did he do? What kind of personalities he created that because of them today that we are over 1.5 billion Muslims around the world, or 2 billion, whatever the number is. But it's a huge number. But this is the impact created by Rasulullah and the Sahaba. And when we study the seerah of Rasulullah, we find the kind of personality Rasulullah created. And if you just look at a few examples just on a superficial manner, like the example of Ja'far, Ja'far al-Tayyar. He was a cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he was exposed, when he migrated to Habasha, and when he was asked the question by the king, see, I'm not sure if he realized that a few people who have escaped from, from, from Mecca to Habasha because of atrocities that they were facing, and now they are summoned in front of the king. Someone in front of the king, he is questioning, what are you guys doing here? Because the people of Mecca came after them. They're questioning, he's questioning them, then why are they here? And not only that, then they were put and they tried to put into a trap. Ask them the question about Isa alayhi salam. What do they think of Isa? See, it sounds today for us very easy to answer. Oh, as a Muslim, we say Isa was not son of a God. But put ourselves in the situation of Ja'far. He's in front of the king, for him, or for the people around him at that time, that Isa was the son of a god. And they were following Christianity. They are following Christianity. Now you are saying, no, what you're saying is wrong. Now put ourselves in that situation. Many of us probably are refugees from different parts of the world to escape here. Now, when we are put in front of the leader here, and we say, no, democracy is not ruling uh, uh, rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. <coughs> because in this case, in the democracy, the uh, sovereignty belongs to the people. People decide halal and haram, what is right and what is wrong. The source is the people. In the case of Islam, Allah is the one who is the sovereign for the shara'ah is the one which is from Allah and Allah is the sovereign. It's not the man, it's not what we think, it's not that we think today that, okay, uh, when the age of 21 is reached, it's okay to, to drink. We cannot do that as a Muslim. Okay? So, if we think of ourselves, that we have to stand up and talk like this. But think of Ja'far this way, that how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam converted a person from the ones who were worshipping idols into the one who is willing to stand up in front of the king to say the haq. It takes a man to do that. 
It takes a man to do that, even though he was a young man still at that time. And we can find there many examples in the seerah. Like uh, uh, when Rasulullah and Sahaba, they used to go to, uh, uh, to, to, to teach. Rasulullah used to take the Sahaba to teach Islam in, in Darul Arqam. Arqam radiallahu anhu, he was 14 when he entered the fold of Islam. Ali radiallahu anhu, he was 8 when he entered the fold of Islam. So these were seemingly that they looked like children, but they were men. They were men by the mentality. They rise up against everything. When we look at Musa bin Umayr radiallahu that he was the one who was one of the wealthiest people. His mother was one of the wealthiest women of the Mecca. He was living a very rich, affluent life with the best clothing you can imagine. The best shoes you can imagine. The best perfume you can imagine coming from outside of the Mecca for him. This is the kind of a life he was living. And once he is exposed, exposed to Quran, exposed to Rasulullah wasallam, the message of Islam, right away he enters into the of Islam and he understands that he will end up leaving everything. All the luxuries that he was getting, he will leave. Now, what is the thing Rasulullah gave it to him that he was able to see it? Similarly, we find the example of Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu. When we look at his life before Islam, one of the reports talk about it. He was burying his daughter alive. And his daughter, and he was crying, remembering that. His daughter was playing with his beard. She was play, cleaning up the dirt that was coming to the beard of Umar al-Khattab. The very same Umar al-Khattab, when he enters into the folds of Islam, Right away, right away, it's not that he was going to some madrasa for six years or eight years and twenty years when he becomes a alim, a mufti or, or, or this or that. Then he will talk about Islam. He becomes a Muslim and he tells us to Allah, if we are on haq, why are we hiding here? We have to go out and give this message to the rest of the world. This is what the iman and the aqidah does to the people. But this iman, this aqidah, has to be given and taken in the right manner. This Iman is the thing that moves the people. But this Iman is the thing that makes this Jannah and Nar as a reality for us. And our actions become bound by the Hukum of Allah Azza wa Jal. But this Iman has to be understood correctly. We have to understand why do we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do we really believe that this book that comes from Allah Azza wa Jal, the creator of the heaven and the heavens and the earth. The one who is the perfect being does not make any mistake. Anything that comes from him in the book of the Quran, without any doubt, it is the right thing. If we believe that, then our actions will be according to that. But see, Islam, this belief system is not that, that you just one day will wake up and you will have a belief in your head. This is something, a conviction. Islam actually questions us when it comes to the aqeedah and iman. Question our, 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 our think, thinking process, our thought process. Don't you think? Don't you have aql? Don't you have ilm? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is continuously addressing like this. Continuously addressing the ulul al-bab. The one who can reason. And Allah has made us unique from the rest of the creation. By giving us this mind, giving us this free will to choose. But that is our test. That is our test when we are choosing between right and wrong. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a similar kind of a will to the jinn as well. 
but uh, human being was the one chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the, one of the best, the, the best creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, when we look at that, now, when we are raising our children, the question comes to that now. Yes, these are all the problems that exist, and it's not only to limit the United States, these, these problems exist all around the world today. When we are raising them, what should I do? What is, what, because I, I am accountable now. I am accountable. The one who have children, they're accountable because that's the fitna. fitna. So they raised a fitna for us. There's a test for us. We are going through a test. And inshallah, all of us present here, we will be successful in this test. And we'll get closer to Allah Azza wa Jal by raising our children in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. Inshallah, they will be like the Sahaba Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But for that, we have to take a stance. We cannot think that this will happen out of, in a thin air. We have to provide them the means to become like that. We cannot give them the Islam with cutting edges. Yeah, this part of Islam is difficult, don't worry about it. Or that part of Islam is difficult, don't worry about it, don't do that. You don't have to follow that. When we started doing that cutting edges in Islam, this is no more Islam, brothers. We're no more following Islam if we are thinking that we will be compromising in the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. If you really want to see a success, or a successful story, we, will try, we have to try our best to convince them and ourselves first, of course, that we want to follow the whole Islam. Will we make mistakes? Yes, we, can make, we may make mistakes. Will they make mistakes? Yes, they may make mistakes. But the issue is not that we can make mistakes. The issue is, are we willing to follow the command of Allah as a whole or not? Are we trying our best within our capacity to follow as much as we can? Not trying to say that this is difficult, so this is this part of Islam does not apply on me or anymore. We cannot, we cannot be the ones like that. And for that, we have to make sure that when we are raising our kids, number one thing, create this awareness that there is no, there is no success. There is no, you will not be, we cannot be successful on, in the day of judgment without Islam. That's a key thing that has to be installed in our mind. Because Allah Azza wa Jal says, In front of Allah Azza wa Jal, the only deen is the deen of Islam. And it's not Abrahamic religion. Ibrahim والسلام, did not come with Judaism or Christianity. All the prophets came with the message of Islam. So this is our mistake to think that as if a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came with three different religions. Or the prophets who came underneath, they came with different religions. No, they all came with Islam. It's the people who distorted it. So we should not be calling the, the things which are not Islam, the religions, to call to consider them as these are part of Abrahamic religion. Because Ibrahim came with Islam as well. And also to make sure we understand ourselves and our kids. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and whosoever, and the brothers who know Arabic, when we see they use the word man as a nakira, it means whosoever, it's not just who one person, whosoever, if he is he desires any deen other than Islam, Allah Azza wa is not going to accept it. So now, when we are raising our kids, we have to keep this in mind. That's one point. Second, we have to make sure 
that this is the society that is implementing the system of Ta'ahut all across the world today, and that has a different impact on our youth, our children. And we know that it's not only children, our youth. It has an impact on us, no matter how old we are. Until we die, Shaitan is pulling us towards the direction of Jahannam. It's up to us that what we want to select, what we want to choose for that, we have to also work besides individuals. We have to create an environment for ourselves and for our kids. And one example I'm going to leave you with, and I will uh, let you think about that also. Actually, two. One is about an example of a pond that has that has dirty water is in it. And if you try to take one frog, there's a frog in there, you take one frog out, wash it, clean it, put it back into the pond. You take the second one out, wash it, clean it, put it back into the dirty pond. And if you keep doing that, you know that by the time you get into the next one in a row, the first one that you cleaned up, they're already dirty. They're already dirty. And this is what happens to to ourselves also, when we continue to live in a dirty environment. And when I say dirty, anything other than Allah Azza wa Jal that He wants from us in a society is there, we will continue to be exposed to the wrong things. And for that it is important that we also work on the society. Second, and I, will, I want you guys to go and ask our own kids also, and we will see the problem that exists within us. Which is about, if you ask any child today, that what do you want to be? What do you want to be? And we can ask ourselves also when somebody asks us, what was our answer? Somebody will be saying, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an engineer, and I want to be this, I want to be that. Or whatever that can make more money out of. I want to be a businessman, I want to be a pilot, all these things we talk about. How come none of us, and even as the parents, do we install in their minds that we only want you to be a good Muslim? The rest of the things, yes, Allah is not telling us not to approach and work for the dunya also. But our ultimate goal is to become a good Muslim so we can be successful in the day of judgment. Is this what we have installed in the mind of our kids or not? This is a question for ourselves to ask. First, and then we can ask our kids and see what the answers we get. And uh, subhanAllah, the funny thing about that is, if we talk about the examples of the Sahaba that I just talked about, or any other Sahaba you talk about, most of us would not be aware of what they used to do for living. We will not be aware of that. Only reason we remember those Sahaba are because of the actions they have done for the sake of Allah subhanahu and that can only happen when our lives are around the Islam to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rest of the things are done even when we are approaching to get the dunya it is for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if that is the case we are doing it inshallah we will be successful in this dunya and in the Thank you for listening to this podcast Podcasts on current events Islamic guidance Quran tafsir and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.